Hello, everybody. I'm Michael Eisner. We got Sky Denton with us. Really excited to have you here, Skyler. Sky? Sky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sky is 31 years old and he grew up in Jackson, Wyoming and loved climbing snowboarding and surfing he's got a degree in outdoor leadership was deeply affected by as for six years consistently could not walk couldn't drive a car or do any physical work he is a business owner in hawaii and travels assisting in personal growth and self-healing workshops he is also one of one of the founding members of the as victors association and founder of as freedom which is where he coaches people with as Great to have you here, Sky. Awesome. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, real Appreciate pleasure. It. Yeah. And we've yeah. met each other uh, on Skype many times. So it's not like, you know, we don't know each other. It's just so people know, like, many times we've we've talked. And um, Skylar, we, what's friends, that? Dude. What's that? You're one of best friends. <laughs> yes. We're bros. We are freaking bros. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I love you, man. I totally love you. Yeah. Um, cool. And uh, you were one of the first people that influenced me to go in this direction through your videos. So, I mean, it's funny. Like, when I used to watch your videos, I used to think, you know, like, you just seem so distant because, you're, you know, you're just a person that seems so far away, like someone who is healed from AS. And I was like, that concept at the time felt so distant to me. And you seemed like like almost a miracle like what had happened so it's amazing how in a short period of time it's been about two years for me that so much can change so anyway you were i just want you to know and everyone to know that huge influence and uh, inspiration cool that's awesome you know and here we are both feeling good yeah how yeah. cool is that man that's <laughs> <Yeah>, amazing <laughs> it's amazing yeah yeah so um Let's uh, let's jump right into it with um, how old you were when symptoms began, and what exactly were the symptoms? Yeah, I was 22 when they started. I was living in Hawaii at the time, and the symptoms first started in my mid back, like right behind my lungs. And I'd wake up in the middle of the night, not really being able to breathe very well. Like I couldn't get full lung capacity because it would just hurt super bad in the middle of my back. That was the beginning. Right. And then, like, where did it go from there? So after a year of – so when the symptoms began, they started pretty quickly with me. They didn't – you know, it wasn't like I went a long time feeling a little bit of pain. It was just, bam, all of a sudden. Yeah. And after about a year of the first couple nights waking up with that pain, I couldn't do the sports that I love to do. And then – the second year into it, I couldn't really work as much anymore. I was doing a lot of physical work. I was adventure guiding, you know, surfing, kayak instructing, those kind of things. And I couldn't do it anymore. Um, it, got, it got worse and worse and worse over about four years. And then it started to get better once I found resources to help me. Okay. And what, what exactly were the symptoms besides the chest pain, like your hip, neck, where was it? Oh, totally. Yeah, I had a pretty severe case of AS, and I also had some other things with that. So started in the mid-back, went up into the neck, went down to lower back, into my hips, my SI joints. And then at the worst, it was also in my left knee, both my ankles, 
the backs of my heels were really painful. And then the whole bottom of my feet, you know, like plantar fasciitis type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, both feet, both ankles, left knee, hips, SI joints, whole spine. And then I also had psoriasis on all 10 fingers and they would crack and bleed. I had psoriasis on my face, like on my eyelids, on the top of my head, um, other parts of my body as well. And then also I had irritable bowel syndrome, you know, whatever you want to call that. But I had several years of constipation and stomach pain. And with all of that, as a lot of us know, you get tired, right? When your immune system is cranked up so much, um, I, I had chronic fatigue, whatever you want to call that. But I was tired and pretty depleted of energy a lot of the time. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay. And did you often have symptoms at the same time? Like you'd have neck pain, chest pain, hip pain, everything at the same time? Would that happen sometimes? Yes. It would move a lot. Like, you know, we've all experienced flare ups, right? When all of a sudden one area gets super concentrated with pain or it can be more dispersed all over, but then it'll sort of go away for a while. Um, I had a lot of that. So it would ebb and flow, but it would also move a lot in my body. So yes, to answer your question, there were times where my whole body hurt, and there were also times where it was like super concentrated, like in my neck, for example, you know, and I couldn't move hardly at all because of just absolute devastating pain in my neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and how old were you when you got diagnosed, and how many doctors did you see? I saw, okay, I saw... I saw multiple doctors before I was officially diagnosed. You know, I went to spinal clinics. I got MRIs. I got x-rays. They were looking for physical damage. I saw probably three doctors looking for physical damage. And then when I was finally diagnosed by with AS, um, I saw that doctor who was in Jackson, Wyoming. And then I flew to California and went and saw Dr. Gensler, who's the head of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Clinic at the University of California in San Francisco. And she's she's an amazing doctor. So, I, I mean, I saw five doctor, doctors, several of them for, you know, post-AS diagnosis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. And are, do you have uh, the gene of HLA-B27? Yes. Okay. And um, were those first doctors, were they looking for injury because you were into such extreme sports? Like, and they were looking for maybe, did you think for a while that maybe you had injured yourself snowboarding or something at all? Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. I mean, being an athlete, yeah, I've had a lot of injuries for sure. And so naturally when I was feeling pain, I thought it was some like musculoskeletal imbalance or just some old injury acting up or something like that. Okay. And there was there was one event that sort of, you know, one event happened that I realized it actually probably was something more serious than just an old injury. Um, but yeah, for years I just thought it was, you know, I thought just stretching would help, or I thought just, you yeah. know, whatever, foam rolling would help, but it never did. Mm-hmm. Was there, um, in hindsight, was there a trigger that you think? started because i know with some people with me i think it was like having um uh seminole food poisoning when i was a child um some people have a traumatic event that happened uh was there anything that you think in hindsight might have triggered this reaction i've gone back and forth on that nothing's been super conclusive i 
right after I graduated college in 2010 and I was really confused about what I was going to do in life. And I had a lot of mental sort of turmoil about that. It really stressed me out. And at the same time, I also got to go to Africa to go on a trip with my parents, which was amazing. And while I was there, I got really sick for a short amount of time, but I got a lot of dust in my lungs from a pretty dirty place and I got really sick. And for a long time, I thought that might have kickstarted it. In hindsight, I don't really know. It's been inconclusive. Yeah. Okay. But the symptoms started shortly after. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, okay, so how, how crazy did things get for you? Maybe a couple stories. Of- sure, yeah. Well, I kind of just alluded to this. There was one event that happened that really, like, after that happened, I realized that something was more serious than I was really giving it credit for. And had a lot of pain in my neck in this point. And I was getting out of bed one morning and I was in so much physical pain that I really had to kind of get myself in almost like a meditative state before I sat up out of bed just to deal with the amount of physical pain it was going to take me to do so, just to go from a laying position on my side to sitting up on the edge of the bed because of how much pain was in my neck. And so I like laid there for a while, got myself together and went for it and almost got up but didn't quite make it. And I just hurt so bad. And I fell back down in the bed and I kind of twisted as I went down and I fell face down into the pillow. And I was laying there realizing my face is down in the pillow. I'm in so much pain. I can hardly move. And on top of it, because I'm in a pillow, I can't breathe. So like, I knew I wasn't going to lay there and suffocate. I knew I could like gather the courage and the strength to get myself out of that situation. But I was laying there sort of like realizing what was actually going on, like observing like how crazy this is. And, you know, eventually I got myself out of that situation, but it actually like the physical pain had actually started to like threaten my life in a way because for, you know, that minute, like I wasn't breathing, I was holding my breath, getting ready to move again. And after that, I remember like getting myself together the best I could. And I went outside into the forest and just, like gave her hell, like screamed and like actually allowed myself to get angry. I got pissed, you know, I was picking up logs and hitting trees and just like, you know, I was in a ton of pain, but just anger took over at that point. And I remember like literally falling down on my knees in the snow and just sobbing, like absolutely sobbing because I'd realized like something wasn't right. Like this wasn't just an old injury, like something was actually going on and it was scary. Hmm. So that was what, like, that was my impetus, my motivation to actually go and get diagnosed. Um, that was a big one, man. Yeah. That was, that was yeah, big, pretty dude. scary. Yeah. <laughs> Confusing and scary. Like, Confusing like, and scary. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't imagine for a guy who's was as physically active as you are to uh, have that happen so rapidly. Must have been very confusing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. You know, and... I don't need to like elaborate on a lot of other stories, but it was like that for a long time. You know, my girlfriend was carrying me into the bathroom because I couldn't do it by myself. And right. um, then when I really got serious about healing, I actually lived alone. And at that point I was, it was not uncommon for me to crawl on the floor. I'll tell you that I would crawl into the kitchen and I'd grab onto the countertop and like pull myself up and pour myself a bowl of cereal or whatever. And, uh, then crawl back into my bedroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, right. yeah, it was 
It was gnarly, man. <laughs> yes, very gnarly. <laughs> oh man, I even I even wrote here how gnarly did it get for you? <laughs> I don't know if you can see that. Anyway. Nice. I can't see that. That's I'm glad funny. we speak the same language. What's yeah. that? I'm glad we speak the same language. Yeah, we do same language. Um, okay, so you wrote in the pre-interview, diets can get you stuck. I know what you're talking about. What did you mean by that so other people might? Because I'm assuming you tried out some diets? Oh, yes. So yeah. I mean, we're, we're all going to go pre, pre-meeting Peter, um, I guess, for now. And things you tried, I guess, after, after you were diagnosed. Um, yeah. yeah. So diet. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the natural progression for a lot of people, myself included, is like post-diagnosis to look for alternative options. And diet is always one of them. So I did all kinds of diets. I did obviously like the low starch, starch-free diet. I did the, the GAPS diet, which is an acronym for gut and psychology syndrome, I think is what that stands for. That was something that a, that a naturopathic doctor got me on. And that's for like extreme gut healing cases. I did nothing but bone broth mm-hmm. for like several weeks, just meat and bone broth. Um, so I ultimately started realizing something, and this did come from Peter as well, that diets can get a lot of people stuck. And I'm glad you asked that question because it's super important. So, and it comes down to, so there's something, you know what subliminal messages are? Well, there's also something called supraliminal, which is like sort of above consciousness. So if you are addicted to cigarettes, okay, and you walk around in the world and your self-talk is telling yourself that you're addicted to cigarettes, and then every time you see someone else smoking a cigarette, you want a cigarette and you tell yourself you're addicted to cigarettes, and that you are a person who is addicted to cigarettes, it's going to be very hard to quit smoking with that kind of self-talk. And with the diet with AS, what happens is a lot of people have a lot of relief from diet and that's awesome. Like whatever works, but it can also slow us down because then say we're not eating starch. Then we move through our day to day life. And every time we see starch, we're telling ourselves that we can't eat that food because we're sick. And it might be mostly unconscious. That's the tricky thing with this diet stuff is it's what we're telling ourselves on very deep and subtle levels that we're not always aware of. So if I walk into a room and there's potato chips, pasta, and soda, and I'm not eating any of those for some reason because of an AS diet, then I have just given my power away to foods. You know, I've I've basically said that those foods are more powerful than me because I can't eat them because I'm sick. They're going to hurt me. They're going to cause me harm. But also it's constant reinforcement to our conscious mind and our unconscious mind that we're sick. And it's very hard to heal from disease if you're always telling yourself or that the food is telling you that you're sick. Wow. Does that make sense? Totally. That's an incredible explanation. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. That was so clear. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that, that's, I mean, that's what I experienced. I considered certain types of food to be a threat for years, for about 10 years. Like I would look at um, all gluten a lot of starch, any, you know, any refined, anything not, I mean, refined isn't that good anyway, but to me, sure. it was a threat. It was like, it equaled pain, you know, like, um, cheese, milk, dairy products were pain. Eggs were pain to me. And every time you saw those foods, it was reinforcement that you're sick, right? So to heal while you're telling yourself that mm-hmm. very, 
Yeah. <laughs> Very hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I definitely want to say, like, I admire anyone that's going um, diet route, if that's what you, you know, if that's what speaks to you. And I'm sure you're the same way. Like, I know there's a lot of people are healing through diet, and that's cool. Like, I just know for me and, and, I get, and Skylar, too, like, it was amazing to let go of that psychology and, and those uh, supra, what did you call it? So super liminal, super liminal. Yeah. Yeah. So, to, you know, and looking back in my, you know, process of healing, letting go of the diet was the first big step I took that allowed me to get to where I am now. Hmm. Maybe I could have done it, you know, gotten where I am now with the diet, but I don't think it would have been as fast nor as, you know, fun because food is pleasurable. Food is fun. But letting go of um, the whole diet thing for myself, right, was one of the most important things I ever did. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, which kind of skipped ahead. Um, wanted to know about medication. When you first, uh, when you first were diagnosed, what were you di- were you prescribed medication? Did you take it, and for how long? Yeah. So I was prescribed. First thing was methotrexate, which uh, I did not take for very long. I did take it until I learned more about it. I always did a lot of research. You know, when I was officially diagnosed with AS, I already knew I had it. I had self-diagnosed myself. Uh, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell a soul. But like when the doctor told me what I had, I was like, yeah, (laughs) I know. Like the, the symptoms fit me like a glove. Like I was absolutely textbook, you know, my blood results, my demographic, my age, you know, previous injuries. Um, so methotrexate was a big one. Uh, prednisone, right? When I was going through the diagnostic process, I also had a lot of bizarre allergic reactions. I don't even know what for. Like, my system was just off, man. And my lips would swell. My face would blister. Uh, so prednisone helped not only with the AS pain, but also with those allergic reactions because they were also kind of in the throat, you know, and all over the face. Indomethacin is another one that I took that I had good luck with. That one did, you know, my system did well with that. So I took that for years, you know, like four or five years. And I also took uh, just over-the-counter Aleve, you know, on top of all of that. I, you know, Aleve is a good one for me. That that one just has always worked. Just worked, right. And this Endo, what's it called again? Endo. So so it's Indomethacin. Indomethacin. Yeah. What kind of drug, what category of drug is that? It's a NSAID, non-steroidal okay. anti-inflammatory. Right. Yeah. You were on it for four years. That's a lot. And didn't have many problems with your gut with that? No. You know, I took it very cautiously. I know it's very acidic in the system, so it can lead to ulcers and things like that. Um, and I never did the biologics. Okay. As, a, as a side note, but kind of interesting because it was actually a gift to me in the long run. When I was diagnosed, the only other person that my family knew of that had AS was, was kind of an extended family friend. And that person had been put on biologics and it ended in absolute tragedy for him. So from like the very, very beginning, I saw what had happened to him and I chose, like I just chose a different route. Doctors wanted me on biologics, but because of what I had seen happen to him, it just wasn't an option for me. So 
as scary as that was to witness, it was actually a gift to me because I just chose from the very beginning that it wasn't always going to come down to drugs. Mm. And I'm super grateful for them, like absolutely grateful for them. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Um, so with your use of that at the NSAID, did you, uh, how long, you were on it for four years. Were you taking it sparingly or did you do it like take it every day for four years? I took it every day. Oh, okay. I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure I took it every day. I, I never took as much as I, so I, I chose to live in pain. Like I'll just say that straight up. I actually, I chose to live in a certain level of pain for two reasons. One, because I didn't want to overdo it on medications because we know that those can have side effects. Right. And I didn't want to be complacent. Like I just knew I was going to find my way out of this somehow, some way I didn't know how or anything like that. But I chose to live in that pain to also motivate me constantly to look for answers and to help. So I could have drugged myself up a lot more and been more complacent, gotten by for another couple of years, probably just fine. But um, I chose kind of a, a different different route. Okay. What um, what were you doing in that time? Like what, during your search, you say you were inspiring to search. You were inspired to search for something else. So you tried diet. Did you try anything else out? Where were you looking? Yeah. So. There's a local biochemist in the town that I'm in who has a health clinic, and he's a super, super brilliant man. He he really understands, like, very, like, minute biochemistry, like, exactly what is happening in the cells of the stomach and all these things, and he gets very scientific. He has a whole line of supplements, so I tried those for, like, a year, and they mostly just made me sick. I... I always kind of knew there was a mind-body connection of some sort. Just being athletic, I always, you know, you're just around athletes who kind of know that, that for example, when they're rock climbing, a lot of it comes down to, to your mental state. If you freak out on a rock wall, sure, like, you're probably going to fall. But even if you're super tired and exhausted, but mentally you can gather yourself, you can find strength and, like, do a couple more moves. So, like, there's a mind-body connection there that I already knew existed, I didn't know how to use it to my advantage until um, I met someone else. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, dude, it was and it was constantly googling, Google, 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 <laughs> all, all the time. Right. Yeah. So, how long did it take before you met um, Peter or Ralph, and how did you uh, you found them on the internet? I'm assuming. Totally. Yeah. Great question. So I found Ralph the day after I was diagnosed. Oh, Boom. okay. Wow. The next thing, yeah, dude, like the next guy. thing, I'm sitting on the computer, um, Googling, right, YouTubing, whatever, and I found Ralph. And I immediately liked him as a person, like, you know, similar age, like, similar experience. And anyone who has AS, like, there's a bond. Like, like we are brothers and sisters. You know, that's one thing, like, that's one reason, like, you're one of my best friends, dude. It's because, <laughs> like, we know what it's like to be in that state. So I immediately liked Ralph. I didn't follow him for more than a couple months though, because he was talking about diet at that point. And I, I played with diet, but it just, it didn't totally work for me. Um, so I found Ralph the day after, and I didn't find Peter till like four years later. And I was living in Hawaii. I couldn't walk. I was on a computer sitting on a couch and I found his book. 
and I found a YouTube video of him. And I, I sensed a very deep truth in his message. And even though like some of the YouTube comments were like, you know, they didn't totally believe what he was saying. I did. It just resonated true to me. So I read his book. I contacted him and started working with him, you know, right after I finished his book, Heal for Real. Okay. How, how old were you? How long after you were diagnosed did you contact Peter or find his book? I would say it was four years. Four years into it. Okay. Yeah. Maybe three and a half, something like that. Okay. Yeah. And uh, let's talk about your, your training with him. What it was like, how long did it take before you started feeling better? Yeah. So I started working with Peter on the phone like once or twice a week, and I did that for two months. And then I took a break for a while. During those two months, I mean, he, he would blow my mind every day, right? Like every day he would introduce concepts to me that would really make me question things that I thought were real and true and things I had anchored in my psychology. And he started to sort of like unravel, you know, I started to unravel these belief systems I had, these thoughts, these, these patterns that I'd had, they were not helping my body. They were actually harming my body. After I took that month long break, then I actually like got my shit together, like had family and friends help. And like, I rallied and I moved from Hawaii to Arizona. You know, Peter was the guru on the mountaintop for me, man. And I, I left the situation I was in and I moved to Arizona, which was not easy to do at all. I had to, had to borrow money and really put it together and leave my caretakers. Right. I told you I was crawling on the ground, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's when things really took off is when I dedicated the time and the space for, for healing. And I found a coach to guide me step by step by step. Okay. So you, uh, were you alone when you went to visit him? Did you stay, you were at a different apartment or something? Yeah. So I got an apartment for three months. Okay. Nearby. Nearby. And you'd, and you'd go visit him once a week or how would that work? Yeah. So my schedule with him was three days a week okay. for two hours, you know, per session. So, so six hours a week. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you know, it really amazed me. Like Peter's written several books on AS and he's had them out in the world for a long time, you know, and statistically there are like a thousand people with AS in that metropolitan area where he lives. And it blew my mind that I was one of the first people to like pilgrimage out to go work with him because dude, like I healed from disease, right? Pretty, pretty dang quickly. And, um, it really inspired him. It was super inspirational for me, for my family, for everyone around me. You know, it it started different platforms all over the place. And, uh, so anyway, yeah. Yeah. I think we definitely should talk about the rise of, uh, the AS victors, you and Peter, I know spearheaded that with Vivian. Um, but before we get into that, um, could you describe some of, <laughs> it's huge, but what you went through, what you had to learn, you Sky Denton had to learn to get over this. What were the, what were the big things with Pete, with Peter that you discovered? Sure. So this is a really good one. So ankylosing spondylitis, right. Is one of, it's like the epitome of chronic pain. Right. It hurts, man. It hurts. 
And the way that works in the brain is every time we feel that pain, we don't like it, right? The brain's primary mechanisms are to keep us safe and alive and to seek pleasure and avoid pain. So every time we feel pain, the brain doesn't like it. It sees it as a threat. It might cause anger or something like that. So what that does, it releases stress hormones into the body, right? Adrenaline, cortisol, different things like that. And what those do is they promote more dis, you know, more disease and more pain. So one thing I learned from Peter right in the beginning is to begin changing my relationship with physical pain. And to do that, you know, because, you know, because I was 27 years old, right? Because I had been an athlete, because I had been, you know, into muscle building in the past, we did a lot of that through physical exercise and specifically bodybuilding. And Peter would talk about this, you know, it would, I would, you know, bench press, for example, and I start to feel that pain. Well, the psychology of a bodybuilder is no pain, no gain, right? So they like the pain. Someone with AS doesn't like the pain, right? But in the gym, I could start to actually like the pain, right? Because I wanted muscles. I wanted to grow. I wanted to force my body into a cellular growth state and bodybuilding does that. So I changed my relationship with the pain in the gym and then applied that to my body with the AS pain. So I became less resistant to it. So less stress was released in my system every time I felt the pain. So it allowed me to come back into balance easier and easier and easier. Does that make sense? That's an interesting concept to understand too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so are you saying like you got used to when you say the pain, you're saying the pain of, of, of working out, your muscles being exhausted were you saying when you were pushing that weight, you could feel the AS, like arthritic pain? Okay. Or both? So kind of both, right? But like to, to compartmentalize them and make it more simple. So say I'm bench pressing, like pushing that bar up, it hurts, right? You're on rep number 12 and it burns. Right. Okay? Yeah. It's, it's a good burn, right? We like that kind of burn because it means the muscles are being worked. Okay? So... I was able to like work through that pain. You know, that's one thing Peter would say is like, Sky, work, feel that pain and then work through it. Feel that pain and then work through it. And that's how successful bodybuilders work. And then, for example, when I had pain in my feet, I could feel, you know, AS pain in the feet or spine or whatever. I could feel the pain, but I could take a step forward and feel through that pain. Not let that pain be a wall. Just see that it was there and then calm myself down and move through it. Okay. And every time you do that, you know, not only is it changing the neurological wiring of the brain, it's changing the biochemical response of what happens in the body when we experience pain. So we become healthier, right? That was, that's like becoming healthier. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That helped. Um, what, what else did you work with him? Sure. So one of the most important things beyond the physical exercise part was the, the mental aspects of my coaching with him. And he spoke to me about something called the mental diet. And so for 30 days, I signed myself up for the mental diet. And the agreement there was to not accept a negative thought for 30 days. Okay, so that's, that's a huge undertaking, especially for someone who's really sick and victimized and like really kind of having a hard time in life. So it's not to say that like I did that, but I became aware of my negative thoughts. 
And I didn't realize it until literally like, like 30 days. I had to do this for 30 days. And then I could sort of look back and be like, wow, 95% of those negative thoughts had nothing to do with other people or something going on in the world around me. They were self-directed negativity and self-hatred and lack of, you know, personal acceptance, self-love, you know, self-validation, whatever you want to call it. I was beating myself up. I was super, super mean to myself. Nothing I did was enough. And that's one reason I was super athletic. I was always trying to prove myself, right? So in the outer world, I looked like an athlete, but why I was an athlete is trying to prove my worthiness to myself because I didn't feel like I was good enough for anything. So after that mental diet of 30 days, I began to break the psychology, right? Began to break those mental habits that were causing a lot of stress in my system. Hmm. How did you become aware of those thoughts? Like in a day, how, when you woke up in the morning, how would you start the day to be aware of your thoughts or what is the process, the, the minute by minute process of being aware of your thought? Tough question maybe, but. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll answer that this way. One of the hardest parts about healing, and I see this in a lot of people, One of the hardest parts about healing is taking the time and freeing up the space to do it. So, you know, you answer like, how did that happen? Like, what did that look like? I freed up mental space and physical space to be slow, to be aware, to be mindful, to get up in the morning and take a breath and tune into what I'm thinking about instead of just being reactive to the world around me. Right. So I really had to like, allow myself physical space and like mental space to become aware of these patterns. And that is like, that can be hard to do if people aren't willing to take the time for themselves to do this work. You know, that's why people get worse. That's why people don't heal from so many more diseases. It's because they don't have access to the things that we've had access to, which, you know, how fortunate are we, right? And also, lots of times they don't free up the space and the time for themselves. Hmm. So you're saying as much as you can, clear your calendar, clear any distractions. I mean, that's what I had to do. I cleared my my life as much as I could to make things as simple as possible. Was that kind of what you did? Totally. You know, and it's not like I had to do that forever. Right. It's just just in the beginning, you know, and I don't want people to think that that's a bad thing. Right. To to think we have to put everything like, you know, on the back burner and just focus on like solving all our problems with disease or whatever. Like that's not what this looks like. Right. It's just it's just really like sort of funneling our priorities. You know, do we really want to start feeling better? Because if we want to start feeling better, we've got to start doing something different, which means putting some things on the back burner burner and prioritizing our health. For a while, right? It took me like, you know, a couple months, right? And I know people that have done it way faster than I have. (laughs) So it doesn't take forever. But for me, I had to to create that time and space. Cool. What's, uh, what's another thing that you found was a big, a big turning point for you? You said working out the process of changing your relationship to pain. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then what else? 
Yeah, and I've got a fantastic one for you. It's having someone in your life that is helping you out, like a coach, right? Someone to not only support you and guide you, but also hold you accountable. That's the thing is, you know, you're the same way, I'm sure, Michael. It's like when you're speaking with someone that has a yes, because you've gone through what you've gone through, you almost have like a bird's eye view of the psychology, like that causes pain. And so once you've learned everything we've learned, you can kind of see where people can make little shifts in their life, you know, different belief systems, different relationships, different environmental things that they can change that affect their body on a very deep level. And I couldn't have done what I did without someone guiding me, you know, like, sure, I could have read a bunch of self-help books, but again, I'm processing all those self-help books through the same brain and cognitive mind that is filled with those patterns that have made me sick. Right. Right. So, so it was finding a coach, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not selling coaching right now, but like straight up finding someone to hold me accountable and to teach me and guide me. Yeah. Changed my life forever. Peter Winslow impacted my life, like my life more than so many other people on the planet. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. Uh, how long did it take for you to, before you noticed a noticeable difference? Change. Yeah. See, that's, see, that seems like a very simple question, but it's not. (laughs) I, my symptoms began moving as soon as I started working with Peter and that scared the crap out of me. You know, it'd be in, in a leg and then in the spine and then in the neck and then in a foot and it would move around a lot. Um, and I thought that that meant that it was getting worse. Right. And that really scared me. And again, having a coach, having Peter there, he would be like, sky, that's actually a good sign because if it left from one area, it can leave from another and it can leave from another and it can leave from another. So, so things changed for me quickly. They didn't necessarily get better physically until a couple months into coaching. And then then I started to notice changes. Yeah, that's not that's not long. Two months is not long. Yeah. 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 It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I, um and how did you how did you know definitively that it was helping? Like how the coaching, the the work you were doing. So a couple of reasons. One is I had faith in Peter. I trusted him and believed him. I had faith and trust in myself and I felt better. Like that's the thing. It's like, and, and all the science, like Peter had me reading different scientific things so I could actually understand scientifically what was happening as well. And I just, I felt better. You know, I, I went from the place of chronic victimization to, you know, becoming more and more empowered, you know, and I know that, you know, I know that you've asked people, like, if AS came to you for a reason, like, you know, what was it? Like, for me, it was massive levels of self-empowerment. So that's what I was learning. It's like personal empowerment. And I just felt better. And I knew that my body would respond. Hmm. Yeah. One of the things I talked with Peter about in, in our interview, he was saying, um, and one thing I learned from him was the, you know, once you heal your mind, the body's going to follow. And, and how a lot of the training I did with Peter, we weren't even working on AS. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, after about a month, he st- we stopped talking about that, and all of the attention just went to feeling better and changing the way I thought. And totally, totally. You know, one thing one thing that's important to understand. Like, I love this question. So, where does health come from? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where does yeah. it come from? Like health comes from health. More health comes from health, right? Like that, that is one thing that's pretty unfortunate in the world of AS is so many people that are really stuck on battling the bad parts instead of nurturing the health that already is. And like you experienced with Peter, that's what we do is we focus. It's, it's positive psychology, right? It's focusing on the good things in our lives growing and developing and like nurturing and cultivating the health that already is. And then disease leaves us like ankylosing spondylitis left me. I didn't beat it into submission. I grew the healthy parts of myself to where there wasn't room for AS anymore. Mm. And like that is, you know, like where does health come from? (laughs) Right. It doesn't, it doesn't come from disease. (laughs) It comes from health. Right. That's really important to understand. Yeah. So you're saying focus on health rather than focusing on the problem, the disease, the pain, yeah. the suffering. Exactly. And that's what Peter taught me. Wow. Yeah. That's Just like you, we didn't talk about AS all that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of started thinking at one point, I was like, is this guy ripping me off? Because like, <laughs> we're not even doing the AS stuff anymore. Like, yeah. And then he's like, well, and I asked him, he's like, well, what are we focusing on? You know, we're not focusing on that. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I guess not. And he's like, how do you feel? I feel good. (laughs) Totally. You know, a fantastic example of that is one of the first clients I ever took on. I like, it was like fresh out of like working with Peter and you never know where it's going to go. But the first client we ended up, I ended up giving like marriage advice for weeks, right? Like, right. Oh, like I'm not married. <laughs> like I've never <laughs> been married, but we could clearly see that the tension in her life was coming from an unhappy marriage. And so we make adjustments like to her perception of the marriage, to the relationship with the partner, you know, to her relationship with herself. And all of those affect the nervous system at the, you know, on the deepest level. And like, so then the body has less tension in it. It has less stress. The subconscious mind, which is controlling the immune system in so many ways, isn't feeling threatened as much. So the body naturally comes a little bit back into balance, right? And it helped. She's doing wonderful. Her marriage is good. Like, but some changes had to be made there and it affected the marriage and her body. Mm. And if you focus just on the disease part, you would miss that. Right. Yeah. yeah. You brought up the nervous system and um, you've said that uh, in, in the pre-interview form, you said our nervous system is the number one contributor to recovery or further progression of pain. So can you talk a little bit more about that? And do you think that the immune system is the same as the nervous system? I mean, same thing? Okay. So yeah, I can talk about the nervous system on a couple levels to no, I do not. The nervous system and the immune system are, are not the same thing, right? The whole body is shaking hands all over the place. Everything's interconnected, but they're not the same thing. They're, they're quite different. 
So the nervous system, right? Okay, right? Going back to what Peter taught me, like neuroplasticity, neurogenesis, right? Basically understanding the, the brain is always changing and developing and creating new pathways based on what we're telling it, right? So that's part of the nervous system. When you change the brain, you change the pain. When the brain changes, the pain changes, right? Through all the work I did with Peter, through like the, the bodybuilding exercises, through changing my outlook on life and where I was hurting myself and causing pain, you know, once I acquired new habits, the brain adapted, the brain changed, those patterns fell away, and the body came back. So the first step is understanding like what the nervous system does in the body. So for example, if you are in your brain, which is part of your nervous system, when I was telling myself that I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough for the world, I'm not good enough for a job, a car, I'm not as good as him, all these things, what happens is I've completely disempowered myself, right? I'm feeling very small, very broken, very victimized, which means that everything around me could potentially be a threat because it's probably more powerful than me because I'm a piece of shit, because I'm worthless, because I can't stand up for myself, right? When those are my thoughts, it makes me very small. So with that perception of everything being better than me, being more powerful than me, it can also be a threat to me. So what that does biologically is it, it ignites our sympathetic nervous system, right? That fight or flight response. I was sitting in a state of chronic stress, not even realizing it, because if everything that's powerful is outside of me, then it could hurt me. And I'm always in stress because of that. That is like a belief system that's affecting the nervous system that then affects the biochemistry of the body. So when I'm stressed out all the time, then my gut, right? First thing, like adrenaline, cortisol, like the gut is one of the first thing that gets impacted in a negative way by those hormones being present all the time. So that's where like, the nervous system now is affecting the biochemistry. The biochemistry is harming the body and starts to throw the immune system off because of it. So big, pretty deep concepts. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully that made some sense. Yeah, it did. Actually, um, sort of pointed out something that I hadn't seen as clearly as, as you made it right there. And, and what I was going through as a, a young guy, I think, a lot of my life that was probably triggering that fight or flight thing was just, I guess, insecurity and fear and around, all around me that I just, I, I think I was perceiving the world as, as threatening <laughs> a lot. And it just makes me realize how the last two years have been such a vacation from that world that I used to live in. Cause I, I, don't, I don't see the world as a threat anymore. Anyway, yeah. I had that just kind of yeah. What you so does it me. does it make sense to you that you know if you are feeling that way, why it would affect your body? Yeah, right. Because if I if I if I look at say other people and I think that they're superior and I feel inferior, then that's going to affect my gut. Adrenaline is going to pump out into me because I, I see it as a threat. I feel fear, um, weak. And then that's just going to kick, kick in my, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, it's, it's just like, those are basic bodily responses, you know, based on millions of years of evolution, 
and it's helped keep us alive and keep us safe. It does a lot of good things for us. But these days, it can also get us sick. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah, and you, you also wrote Hidden Stress and How Slash What I'm Not Enough Does to the Body. Yeah, so we, I guess we already kind of go went over that. The effects. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about that. You know, and it's the thing is, is like... One, one example Peter used to say is like, if you tell a fish it's in water, it's like, what the hell's water, right? Like, I'm just here. I'm just being a fish, right? The fish is in water. When I was in those self-sabotaging states of mind, I didn't know that was stress. And I'll, like being as ignorant and like bullheaded as I can be, there's not a single person on the planet that could have told me that that was harming me, that that was stress. Until I like did that 30 day mental diet thing and I saw it for myself. And then I was like, holy crap, like I have been so mean to myself. I've beat myself down into the dirt. And now I understand the science enough to realize that that's affecting like my stress levels and what those do to the immune system. Mm -hmm. So like for anyone listening, maybe they'll be able to be like, yes, that's me. I get it. I get it. Other people might deny it. I denied it. I would have been like, no way that's stress. Like, <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I had to figure it out for myself through that 30 day thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did, did the pain ever come back for you once it left? Yeah. So that's a fantastic question. So for, for one year I had no pain. I was, I was free and clear. Totally. I come out of AS literally like with more muscle packed on than any other time I had in my life. Like came out of it like a Phoenix, right? <laughs> so awesome. Like so awesome. And then I had several close family members pass away, you know, and we were clearing out their house and going through stuff like that. And I fell pain again, like it almost an exact year later and kind of frustrated me, kind of made sense. But I also had the tools to, to let go of that, to get myself, you know, back on track very quickly. Mm. So, and like, it's, it's come and gone, come and gone, you know, like if anyone thinks that like changing our belief systems and the nervous system, you know, gets us out of pain, right. The reverse is also true. It also gets us into places of trouble. So I still like, I live a pretty fast paced life right now. I'm doing a lot of things and I can sometimes wake up with, with like a stiff back, you know, but it's minor. It's, it's like 1% of what it used to be. Right. Right. Yeah. And you're not on any, uh, pharmaceutical, um, prescriptions. No, no, I'm not. I haven't taken anything like that. And yeah, just to be clear. (laughs) Yeah. So I haven't taken, yeah, be clear. I haven't taken any pharmacy, like any prescription, um, drugs in, probably three years at this point. Sometimes I'll get a small leave and I'll break it in half and take it. If I'm feeling like kind of sore, like, um, you know, if I wake up stiff, yeah, but I like, dude, you know, half of one leave compared to what it used to be. Yeah. You know, and also like I've kind of invited that into my life as well. I could be probably more structured and not have to do that, but I'm kind of okay with it. Right. And, you know, I live a very free life. 
you know, I'm, I'm free from AS in so many ways. Oh, well, that, that brings me to wonder, like, uh, do you have a daily regime that you feel you, you, you follow or do you, do you still exercise regularly? Do you do it for pleasure or do you do it to keep pain away? I don't really do anything to manage pain except take half and a leave every once in a while. Like I just told you, everything else comes from basically my enjoyment of doing it as far as, you know, I mean, we'll have work and stuff like that we're doing, but I recently bought myself a yoga um, membership and my body's been asking for yoga for years. Hmm. And I'm I'm like, I'm digging yoga, dude. (laughs) It's super fun. It's very like multidimensional. It's, it's good for me. Um, if I had anything that I'm disciplined about doing, it's mindfulness. Okay. It's, it's when I catch myself with like um, a tight stomach or not breathing very well or stressed out or having like sort of weird poses that kind of show that I'm uncomfortable. Like body language can lots of times cue people into whether or not they're stressed out or not. It's noticing those and taking a breath and relaxing and moving forward from a place of peace of eats and that's it you know like the thing is is like now i'm pretty in alignment with with wellness right when people get way off track it can take they have a lot of momentum going in the other direction right that's one reason people's trajectory with as gets worse and worse and worse they have so much momentum going that direction they don't have people to help guide them back into a place of wellness like once we get there we can like monitor ourselves quite a bit and, you know, it took me time, took me a coach, took me a lot of effort to get where I am. But now I can monitor myself pretty well. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, you, so you don't meditate every day, just the mindfulness? I like meditation. Yeah. I, I haven't really, you know, I took a couple breaths before we got on the call to relax, to center myself. Everything's pretty casual these days. Yeah. No, I think, I think, I think it's incredible. And like, that's, that's why I really, I want to know like that. It's like, you're, you're free. You're pretty much, you're free. Like you're doing whatever. You don't have to live rigid regiment in order to, I don't know, to be pain free. Like you're, you're it, you're well. Yeah. You know, and you bring up a good point. Like, so say you have a, a disciplined meditation practice, like, like Michael, I can't talk, bro. Cause I have to go meditate because I'm sick. <laughs> right. Right. So right there. Like you've just like taken meditation, which can be a very cool experience, a very healthy thing. And you just put like a black box of illness around it. <laughs> right. And you've just compartmentalized it into this thing that you have to do because you're sick. And if you go in that place and you're like, no, I have to meditate because I'm sick, feel wellness because I'm sick. You're still like fighting illness and running from pain and doing these things. And so it has to be genuine. Like I tell people, you're not going to trick yourself into healing, right? If you want to meditate, go meditate wellness. That's what I did. I didn't meditate, hate, fight AS. I meditated wellness, genuinely wellness. And then, like, where does health come from, right? Health comes from health. So you, I just nurtured more health, more health. Mm-hmm. So now, yeah, if I'm going to meditate, I do it because I like to do it, yeah. not because I'm sick. Right, right, right. But telling myself I'm, I'm sick, there's something to change in the head before I go meditate. Mm. Cool. 
Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Believe in yourself, not other people. A quote of yours. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. And that can be, you know, we're taught to, to listen to authority, right? We're taught from infants to listen to adults, you know, our parents. And then we're taught by our parents to listen to our teachers, right? And we're taught by our teachers to listen to our bosses and our government. And, you know, I, um, I knew, like I'll say right now, like when I was diagnosed in California, my whole body flooded with this emotion when they were telling me I had to accept a new normal and that this was a lifelong thing. Like my head was scared. I was angry. I was crying. It took me months to get on the right track, years to get on the right track. But I can look back and think about that time and like feel into that moment. And like, I felt that I would heal in that doctor's office. My head was terrified, but my body felt differently. Like I felt that I would find something. Mm-hmm. And so that's just another type of intelligence that we can listen to. And like in that moment, if I would have completely given up my power and listened only to what the doctor said and followed my own head, I might still be sick. But I felt differently, and I trusted that. Even though it took me four years of being sick and a wreck to finally find something that worked, I still followed that feeling and trusted myself. And I know like other people, they hear our message, they know it's true for them. And then boom, like if anyone listening to this is like, yes, oh my God, I feel good after listening to this conversation, like boom, you are on track. Some people will be more heady about it, and they'll just be angry. You know, you, I can't control that. But yeah, that inner guidance system, mm-hmm. we all have it. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, you've also said that no one is powerless over AS. And I guess that that just brings up a question I've always had is, you know, like, why you? Why me? Um, why are... Why are some people not interested in this and others are? I mean, like, I guess we're all so different. It's going to appeal to some people and not others. Do you have an opinion on it? Do you believe that no person is powerless to AS? So I believe that no body, like no physical body is completely incapable of improving its situation. People's mindsets about health, illness, what they think they're capable of in their lives, that'll all dictate, you know, parts of what their body is going to be able to do. You know, if if someone doesn't believe they can heal, you know, they're most likely not going to heal. Like I don't want to seal the fate, their fate for them, but lots of positive progress starts from a positive mindset. So I mean, the bodies are always coming into balance in some way, in some way. And I don't think that anyone is completely powerless over AS. I haven't found someone yet. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But they have to be willing, right? They have to want a better life. A lot of people, you know, unfortunately, you know, the brain likes to keep us, you know, it wants to keep us alive, right? It wants to do everything it can to keep us alive. The tricky thing that can happen, and like I'm saying a lot here, but I'm just going to say it. So our brain, right, wants to keep us alive, seek pleasure, and avoid pain, right, to keep us alive. What requirements are need to be met to keep us alive? Well, we need the physical things like air, water, food, and shelter, 
We also need some kind of love, some kind of nurturing. As infants, we need that. As adults, we go crazy without it. But what happens is if someone is a chronic of is a victim of chronic disease and they begin receiving their love from caretakers, then it can also be very hard for the brain to want to let that illness go. Because if how they're receiving their love is by being sick, then it's actually a threat to the brain's survival to begin to heal from that disease. Because then once it's, it's whole and healed, it's not going to receive that love. And our brains are amazingly intelligent at keeping themselves alive and calculating everything we're going to lose, but not able to see everything we might gain. So, I mean, that's a big concept, but you want to get the brain working to your advantage right. and it, it can be scary. And, and that's where in shifting your uh, changing beliefs and shifting beliefs, shifting your focus, and that's where that comes in. Totally. And believing in yourself. You know, when you can believe in yourself, then all of a sudden you've got some self-love going on. Right. With, so the brain's like, okay, like maybe I'm going to be okay if I heal. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And when we create um, that mental, I guess, space, our bodies, they know how to heal. It knows how to do the job when we get out of the way. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think about this. Like, you have no idea what your body did to heal. Right. You just, you just did, Michael, and you did it well. You did it from a place of health. Like, you don't know what your body did. I don't know what my body did. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know, like, you know, a woman that's pregnant. You know, she just does her. And the body, you know, like builds a baby. We don't control that. We don't control the immune system. Mm. We just we just learn how to do us. You know, if, if I learned anything from AS, it's that there is an art to living. And we're not taught the art of living. And that's what I learned from Peter Winslow. It's how to live from a place of, of wholeness, of happiness, and from a place that allows the body to step in and do what it automatically wants to do all the time which is to heal. And I, uh, I couldn't see it then, but I had a lot going on in my brain that was causing illness and also keeping it in place. Hmm. And I suppose that, that kind of answers a question I was going to ask you if you believe that AS was uh, a teacher or a great uh, you know, a lesson for you. Was there any other lesson that you learned from AS? I remember when I was coaching with Peter, he was like, Sky, AS can be the best thing you've ever experienced in your life. And I was in pain. I couldn't understand that. And I was like, screw that. Like, I just want out of pain. I absolutely want out of pain. Like my, my psychology, I couldn't even go there with my consciousness, right? And now, having gone through what I've been through, ankylosing spondylitis has been the other than being born, right? Like AS, like, and it's crazy to even hear myself say it. It's not crazy. It's perfect to hear myself say it. It's been the best teacher that I've ever had. It keeps me on track to live a good life. It's introduced me to some of the most amazing people that, you know, that I could imagine. And it's given me a life of self-awareness and self-mastery that has gotten me out of, you know, 
more negative places than I'd be in life and into like a very good life. You know, we all have issues. We all have things we can do and improve on, but it's introduced me to amazing people. And it's, it is the greatest teacher I've ever had in my life. Wow. Totally. Absolutely. Okay. That's incredible. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, and like, I just, it took me a long time to get there though. Right. I mean, not a long time, a couple months, (laughs) (laughs) really, but, um, you know, when people really open themselves up and get on board to that kind of teaching, that kind of thought, you know, that is like, you know, that is a gateway to healing. One thing I tell clients is like, when they get to the place of where they're like, holy moly, like AS has taught me so much. All of a sudden they're, they're not fighting it as much and they become grateful to it. And so the biochemistry in the body changes. And I love hearing people get there because like, I'm like, boom, right there. Like you just allowed that disease to leave, right? You just, you just keep being appreciative of it, keep learning from it and it's going to fall away. Like that's the irony in this, that it's counterintuitive. But when you stop fighting it, the chemistry changes in the body, the psychology changes in the brain, right? All of a sudden, the body heals. So the more you can be appreciative of it, ironically enough, the faster it leaves. Hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, gosh. Uh, how can... Uh, I was going to ask, um, you're, how can people get a hold of you um, for coaching? Yeah, so, you know, the website asfreedom.com is a fantastic way. And I'm also, like, I'll give my phone number. I'm down to give my phone number now, too. Okay. Yeah, um, so area code 307-690-2190. And uh, I guess you can put that in, like, the I'll put it in the description. Yeah, people are welcome to call me. And I, you know, for a long time I've tried to really – separate like my personal life from work life. And right now I'm, I'm doing better at integrating all of it. So yeah, give me a call, send me a text. I'll do my best to get back from you. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember I, I got, a, I reached out to you um, probably two years ago and you got right back to me with an incredible email. Um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I remember I laughed. Like, I remember our first phone call. I remember exactly where I was sitting. And I remember I asked you. So I saw your testimonial. And I was like, yes, I love this dude. Like, I got to talk to him. And I called you and introduced myself to you. And you were like, yeah, like, I know who you are. Like, I've been following your videos. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, like, you know, and that was actually really cool for me. Because, like, making videos is something I'm going to be doing a lot more of. But I, like they have an audience like lots of times I never know. Like I never know if people like them or don't like sometimes I do cause people get pissed or whatever. But, um, that tends to happen. It's like someone comes through and it's like, yes, your videos have been super helpful, but they never left a comment or anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm left thinking that like no one saw it or like <laughs> people saw it. Yeah. So, but I just remember like that was reinforcement to me. It's like, okay, like keep putting myself out there. Um, keep, keep doing that because it does have, you know, it does contribute to the, the knowledge base of people with AS. Yeah. Yeah. 
So thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I get that. I mean, I, I totally would not in the habit of, of liking stuff or commenting. I do more now and I could see how so many people probably in the same shoes where they take in the stuff and they don't necessarily like, and I mean, they don't have to, but I mean, you don't know. You don't know. I guess like, is this message affecting anyone? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, so people people are welcome to contact me via the website or my phone. Cool, amazing. Yeah. Um, is there anything you'd like to add before I ask a last question? Anything you think I, I didn't bring up, we didn't discuss? Any lessons that are... <clears throat> yeah, definitely. So there's one thing I'd like to say. So, so the website asfreedom.com, I'd like to just explain what that means to me because that's really important. A lot of people, like they come through the site or whatever, and they're like, we don't even know what that means. Like we've, doctors have never said that term or whatever. So AS Freedom is twofold. So there's a, a physical place and a mental place of it. For me, AS Freedom physically means that we're not victims of the illness anymore right? We've, we've empowered ourselves enough. We've healed enough to where we are back in the driver's seat of our life, right? Which means we're not a slave to doctor visits, to medications, to, to diets, to the physical pain itself, right? We've gotten ourselves into a physical place of wellness where we are living our lives and moving on. And then there's the mental part of it too, right? So AS freedom, the mental part of that is that we've freed up enough mental capacity to be engaged in other aspects of life, right? So what that can be is like less away from like chronic fatigue, mental pain, and the processing of pain mentally to more joy, right? To feeling more empowered, to having enough energy and mental capacity to engage ourselves in healthy relationships, right? And, and interest, right? You know, and like joy, laughing again, being able to laugh again, right? I'm sure you experienced it. It would hurt to laugh, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, so AS Freedom is, it's a self-empowerment platform. Like I'm not anyone's guru, but I understand the psychology of AS enough to help guide people to a healthier place of self-empowerment and freedom, you know, freedom over pain. So that's, you know, that's important for people to understand. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. So you're free to ask your last question and then I have one for you. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Um, my last question for you is if you could go back to when you were diagnosed, what would you, what would, is there any advice you give yourself? Mm, fantastic question. <laughs> That's a fantastic question. Yeah. So I, it is, you know, we've talked about a number of these already, but none of us are completely powerless, right? None of us are completely powerless over any diagnosis. And, you know, we'll, we'll stick with AS for now, but I would have loved to know, I would have loved to have someone tell me or I would tell myself that there are actually experts in the field of how you can heal from disease. Another thing I would tell myself is that there's a huge difference between a cure and healing. You know, a cure is a lotion 
or a potion or a pill or substance that can be taken, ingested, whatever, to make us healthy again, right? But that's an outside party. That's an outside substance, okay? That's third-party intervention in our health. Healing is what our body naturally does. And, you know, I'll tell you right now, if my rheumatologist would have told me, Sky, you can actually heal from this disease, that would have changed my trajectory immediately. So that's naturally what I'd tell myself. That it is possible, right? Mm-hmm. And and when I was really sick, it's kind of like you were saying, like, wow, like Sky, like he was this image on a computer screen being like healed and whole, and I was like broken and brittle and in pain. Like there's a big gap there, seemingly, right? Yeah. You just fine-tuned very deep, subtle things that changed your nervous system, which changed your health. For me, I thought it had to be like this, like super extroverted partier, like the exact opposite of who I was, right? Mm. I just had to make little teeny changes. So healing doesn't have to be super hard. That's the thing. It's so interesting. People do it quite quickly sometimes. So I would have also told myself it doesn't have to be so hard because I made it a lot harder than it had to be. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed for sure. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I held on to stuff that was like, oh, like I want to be in pain longer. Like I'm not ready to let that go. (laughs) I want it to suck more. (laughs) Right? And then, you know, with Peter's help and all of that, I let it go. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) Okay, do I get to go? Yes, your turn, sir. Cool, yeah. So it's a simple question, but it's a really good one. So after all these interviews that you've conducted, you're like, like, what have you learned about AS from the people? Wow. Okay, that's an amazing question. Um, what have I learned? I... It seems... It seems that everyone I've talked to believed that they could get better and they were they were looking and i guess they opened themselves to that possibility and to me it's it seems like it's just a belief that our world or our planet has that that um, suffering has to be permanent. And the truth is that when we believe that we can be healthy and come from a place of love, then that becomes the reality. Nice, dude. That's awesome. You know, that's a big answer because you've spoken with a lot of really amazing people. I mean, you're speaking with people who have reclaimed their lives from really devastating disease. Mm. So, yeah, right on. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And it's cool. You know, it's like we all felt it, right? Like I felt it in California in that clinic. You know, you felt it. You had it for 26 years, but somewhere in there, like you felt that there was hope and you found it. Mm. And you knew it when you saw it. Yeah. Some, 
something resonated with you. You knew when you saw it. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. What a pleasure, Sky. What a pleasure. Yeah. Awesome. Super fun being on your show. I'm grateful. Yeah. Me too. I'm so grateful you <laughs> had the time and we were able to do this. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. You are very welcome. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, everybody have a beautiful day. Thank you for listening. And um, there's more coming. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs> the text and audio files contained in this program are for information use only. It is not meant to treat, cure, diagnose any medical health condition you may or may not have. For medical advice and treatment, please speak to a medical health professional.